truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand on The Blaze. Happy Friday to all of you. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin is here with us. Aaron McIntyre as well. We've got an extra, at least for our number one, our good friend, Nate Madden, who covers Congress uh, for us here at The Blaze, is with us. Because since he covers Congress, he literally has nothing else to do. But dumb bum. And yes, it's going to be one of those shows. All right. Uh, We concluded, uh, or we conclude today, uh, Throwback Jersey Week with, as requested yesterday in the overtime by Kurt Schilling. We are rocking the John Riggins 82 Redskins home jersey uh, today for uh, uh, the the final day of Throwback Jersey Week. Todd, your thoughts. Is it a fitting end or not? Oh, more than fitting. When I think about... What is that? Is that the eighty four Super Bowl? Which Super Bowl is the Riggins Super Bowl? Uh, he was the eighty three Super Bowl. When he beat Super the Bowl. Dolphins and he yeah, ran all over them. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's my. I mean that, that going all the way back. I don't know. For me, the first Super Bowl I remember is uh, eighty one Eagles Raiders. That's the first one I remember. So Jim Plunkett in yeah. the single bar with the acne and the pot belly, and I was seven, eight seven year old Stevie, and I looked at that guy. I'm like. I could be that dude. So this is still and in, that's, that's one of my yeah. prized possessions is I have a Jim Plunkett throwback from that yes, season. Yes, I know. I yes. know you do. So this is in that world where the Packers were terrible. I heard all my dad's stories about the Halcyon days and I, uh, I, I, I the formative aspect of guys like Riggins as being my, oh, let me tell you, kind of people. Sure. It's strong. Do you remember who quarterbacked the Dolphins in that Super Bowl? Wasn't it, it was that, pre-Dan Marino? No, I know. Um, uh, is it Woodley? Yeah, you yeah. nailed that. Woodley. Wow. See, this is what David I'm saying. Woodley. I right? cannot tell you who the starting quarterback is on half you of today's. You know bets at bars I yeah. won in college on that? Oh, it was Dan Marino. No, it wasn't Dan no, Marino. It was, he was still in college. It was David it Woodley. It was David Woodley. Yeah. Well, that's what, I I'm can't, impressed. I can't remember. I don't know half the starting quarterbacks in today's NFL, but I can I'm remember at that age too. who started that stuff. Like, if you ask me, hey, who won the World Series two years ago? I'm like, who went at 1979? Well, the Pirates came back and uh, beat the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> We're getting old, man. Yeah. We're getting old. 888-900-3393. That was the We Are Family Pirates who came back and beat the Orioles, by the way. 888-900-3393. The millennials here are looking at, at us like, when does the show begin? Oh, I'm just, I'm realizing that I've lived in the swamp for literally years and I've still never made a skins game. And I don't know if I should be ashamed of that or proud of that. You should be ashamed. Yeah, yeah, you know what, though? Given how bad the team has been most of the time that you've worked yeah. there, maybe not. Maybe you're actually making the wise call, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, they, they we're a long way from the hogs or the, the Joe Gibbs era, that's for sure. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Let us know what you think about what we think as well by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name for those of you on the podcast or Blaze Radio is D-E-A-C-E. We will be getting to your feedback coming up a little bit later on. We love dropping truth bombs on this show. We will commence doing so momentarily, but that's also we want to why we want to let you know about the latest truth bomb from our friends at Swiss America. They're very concerned 
as you should be. And that's what they do at Swiss America, by the way. They're analyzing uh, geopolitical, socioeconomic trends, both domestically, globally as well. They firmly believe in the Lord's edict that the worker is worth his hire. They want to help you protect, which you have rightfully earned, so you can decide what to do with that productivity, who to donate it to, who to pass it on to, etc. Uh, they want to make sure you're the best steward uh, of your productivity. And so they're concerned when they see an American company like Google conspiring with the Shycoms to create a social credit system right out of a Black Mirror episode, especially when you start doing the math here and you look at how much control leftists like the ones running Google want uh, the government to have uh, over our lives, how much control they want them to have, uh, the fact that every transaction nowadays is traceable, trackable, blockable. That's why they want to let you know about the secret war. And that's the name of their latest truth bomb. And you can get it for free right now if you give them a call at 800 280 289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or you can log on to their website, SwissAmerica.com. That's SwissAmerica.com. And now it is time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends at Relief Factor. If you're one of millions of Americans who have just decided, you know, I've just got to settle here. I can't do anything about that chronic pain. Yes, you can. Relief might just be a click away at relieffactor.com. It's a fantastic product. So many of us here at The Blaze, and I count myself now among them, have had tremendous results with. And what I love about this product, it's physician created, but 100% drug free. And that means you've got doctors who can prescribe drugs that are tired of using drugs uh, to mitigate symptoms. They want to see the body's healing power that nature, your creator, gave to it unleashed. And that's where the four key natural ingredients that make up Relief Factor come into play to help your body win the fight against that inflammation that's causing that chronic pain. And now you can start you can start it for just a dollar a day for three weeks for 20 bucks. What do you got to lose for a dollar a day for three weeks? Except maybe finally, hopefully the pain. Go to relieffactor.com to learn more or sign up for the starter kit at relieffactor.com. Let's get to issue one. It's your weekly fave. Bleep Democrats say. I promise you, uh, if I'm elected president, you're going to see the single most important thing that changes America is we're going to cure cancer. It is tiring to hear from so many sex-starved males on this floor talk about a woman's right to choose. Look, I, I believe that the president is literally an existential threat to America. All these efforts by President Trump and other ultra-radical conservative judges and justices to impose their faith on Americans is contrary to our Constitution. There is no moral equivalency when you come to racism. And I do not believe there's a moral equivalency when it comes to changing laws that deny women reproductive freedom. You now I was most proud of, for eight years, there wasn't one single hint of a scandal or a lie. It is glaringly apparent that many who support the president administration are either racist, steeped in racist religious beliefs, ignorant, or as my mother used to say, just plain dumb. And so my whole side of it is like, it may not be optics, it may not be great optics, it may not like 
look the best and in terms of your opponents could use it as a political exploit as a political issue but in substance you might as well be transparent about a cost of living increase i believe the crooked ascension of trump to trump to the oval office is a gauge that measures the declining patriotic and moral values of the many citizens of america if he loses trump he won't go i've been saying that since before he got elected that if he loses the second time and if he loses the coming election he will and Michael Cohen said that, Nancy Pelosi echoed, said that, a lot of people now, and I think that we have to worry about. No, the taxes in many of those countries are much higher than they are, in the, the individual personal taxes much higher than they are in the United yeah, States. But I suspect that a lot of people in this country would be delighted to pay more in taxes because a lot of people say, well, yes, it can happen here, meaning fascism, meaning something other than what we, is democracy. Now, I think we're already there. No, I don't, I don't put a whole lot in terms of labor. I just think that you think about it, the vast majority of the members who are running, the folks who are running, are all kind of on the same page. Abortion is, in my opinion, um, and I recognize how controversial this is, um, a form of killing. It is a, a form of um, killing that uh, we need to be able to defend. The violence that innocently a fetus meets out vis-a-vis um, -vis a gestator. Um, and that violence is, is an unacceptable violence for someone who doesn't want to do gestational work. Um, the violence that that gestator meets out to essentially go on strike or exit <laughs> that, that workplace is an acceptable violence. So let's get to it. Let's go around the horn. Your favorite bit of cray cake. <laughs> Nate, with that look, I got to go to you first. Your favorite bit of cray cray from our frenemies on the left this week. What say you, Nate Madden? I'm glad that you set the bar as favorite and not craziest because craziest is always too hard a distinction with these with these collections. Because I, I, I can't pick a craziest. I can pick my favorite just because... I was watching it on the floor when it happened. That was like, that was Norma Torres saying, you know, saying sex starved males, like a cute, you know, the, like dragging up an old trope saying, you know, anybody who supports, uh, you know, not killing, dismembering and vacuuming out unborn children uh, is somehow like this just sex starved male straw man, whatever. We've heard it a million times, but she took it like something, you know, directly out of, you know, like an angry, an angry blue haired liberals rant, uh, you know, to some pro-lifers outside a clinic or a Tumblr post or something and brought it straight to the House floor, which is where typically members tend to pretend to have some sort of level of decorum. And I guess maybe just like, you know, I see all things through the congressional lens. That makes it my favorite. But yeah, I'm used to seeing at this point, we should all be used to seeing presidential candidates on the Democratic side try to say the craziest, most liberal thing they can to get attention. That's like that's the game right now. And oh, my gosh, that author. With the whole like it's a justified form of killing thing. Thank you for taking the damn mask off uh, and showing showing us what this thing really is. But I still got to go with Torres. What do you think, Todd? Nothing elevates, by the way. Nothing says feminist like devolving your existence to just merely being labeled a gestator. Wow, I am woman. Uh, hear me whimper, Todd. Go ahead. I. Whew. This is, um, there's so many to choose from. I think I'm going to go, though, with the two old coots uh, that still think that uh, this party really um, likes old coots. 
uh, Biden and no hint of scandal. I know maybe because you've heard that one so many times, but it's so transparently absurd. I mean, really, no, no presidency can say there was no scandal on some level. I mean, but this one is Benghazi, for goodness sakes. Come on. Todd, which is more absurd, uh, saying you'll cure cancer or that there is no hint of scandal? I'm not saying that to trap you. I'm just, I think there's actually a conversation to be had. That, you know, that cure of cancer thing, I think it's, I mean, my mom died of leukemia, so I, yeah, I resent the hell out of it on one level. But also, you know, that can be written off in some sort of like, um, we're going to be the first people on the moon or something. I mean, it's it's aspirational, at least. To we're going to make the, the oceans rise. What, something, uh, you know, we are the I people we've been waiting gotta, for. I, I could have just picked all of if them. I'm trying me, to sort this out here. I will make all your dreams yes. come true. That happened, but something like that always happens so i can put it in that place but bernie uh, then bernie sanders you'd be delighted people would be delighted his words to have their taxes increase okay please i say that in fact the wife looked at me last night kids went to bed she's like you want to go upstairs i'm like no i think i'm good because i'm totally delighted right now thinking of paying more in taxes of bernie's president so uh, get a good night's sleep go ahead todd no that that's what i got i'm delighted they just they're old, senile people who just say silly, silly things, and they, neither one, even Bernie, although he's got, you said it, he's got that floor, but his ceiling is increasingly diminished. Um, yeah, it's got it's got Elizabeth Warren's name painted I, on that it, ceiling right one now. Of the most entertaining, crushing him. One of the most entertaining things is just going to be watching these two guys on stage just to watch the world pass them by in the span of like an I hour and a half. I have to expect Bernie Sanders uh, a week from Monday to come out with a podium that's got like 4,000 balloons tied to it. And he will eventually just rise up and float away. <laughs> Aaron, smell your own stash. Uh, what, what did you like from your own montage this week? I, I think the Joe Biden thing, it was a little bit difficult to hear, but when he's sitting in that cafe and he says, uh, all of the people running for president, yeah, we're all pretty much on the same page. Um, okay. I, I that's guess, what we were afraid of. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, that's that's that should be uh, just a little bit disconcerting, uh, especially when you've got people like uh, Kirsten Gillibrand saying, you know, uh, if you're uh, fine, if you if you're pro-life, then you are akin to a racist and an anti-Semite. Um, so okay, uh, you're you're on the same page as that. Uh, that's. That's great news. You know, right before we went on the air, I saw a quote on Twitter, and I wanted—I wish I could remember who said it. I, I saw it fleetingly. Otherwise, because you guys know I'm adamant about giving people credit when we quote them. I, I cannot remember his name or what the context was. But this might perfectly describe the attitude and behavior we are seeing from these leftists. And this quote was, the left believes they won the culture war already, so they're just driving around shooting the survivors. And I, I think whether that's Kirsten Gillibrand's comments, what we talk about, you know, on this show on a regular basis where, you know, you will be made to care my way or the highway, um, you know, masterpiece cake shop. I think that is a perfect description of the mindset of, of modern American leftists. Let's get to the exit question on a scale of one to 10, with one being Lindsey Graham's T level, of course, uh, and 10 being Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. <laughs> Nate <again. laughs> Rate this week's level of cray-cray. Todd, you go ahead. Nate, looks like he needs a moment. I'll go with a solid eight. They brought it this last week. You thought it's done been brought. That was pretty strong. All right. Aaron. That's a seven for me. What do you think, Nate? 
it was going to be a six until you showed me that montage and you reminded me that a bunch of cray cray happened off the hill. Now I think it's like I'm with Todd on a solid eight. All right. Let's get to issue two. The border crisis continues. This week, Acting Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kevin McAllenon sat in front of Congress and gave an update on the ongoing crisis at the southern border. It's been over 18 months since the administration asked for the legislative fixes that would have prevented the current crisis and 40 days since we asked for the emergency funding necessary to manage it. In the last 40 days, 60,000 children have entered into DHS custody, both unaccompanied and as part of family units. Last month, as you noted, Mr. Chairman, we encountered a modern record of 144,000 border crossers, a record day of over 5,800 border crossings in a single 24-hour period, and the largest single group ever apprehended at our border, 1,036 individuals. This was after the much-slotted deal the U.S. government supposedly reached with Mexico's government to avoid tariffs on Mexican exports. Mexico is reportedly sending 6,000 troops to their border with Guatemala to hopefully stem the tide of illegal alien caravans from Central America and elsewhere. Later in the week, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas took a big step towards becoming persona non grata in the House of Representatives by calling out that chamber's inaction on the border. We're sitting here at 1030 at night, and I'm mystified that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are preaching about this issue, which is already the policy of the administration. And yet we are not funding the four and a half billion dollar request from the administration to deal with the problem at hand. Our border is being overrun. My friend from Texas knows this. We know it. If you go spend any time on the border, we had 144,000 people apprehended on our southern border, 144,000. HHS has taken charge of nearly 41,000 unaccompanied alien children this year, a 57% increase from last year. I could go down after stat, after stat, after stat. Little children. Little girls are being abused on the journey. Cartels are profiting while we ignore it. Talk to the mayor of Uvalde, Texas, and throughout the southern area of Texas. Talk to the people about what's actually happening in the communities. He forced a roll call vote on upwards of 70 amendments to a minibus spending bill, which kept his fellow representatives working from Wednesday night to nearly dawn on Thursday morning in an attempt to pressure them into actually taking some action on the border. And yet, the crisis continues. All right. Uh, first question, Nate, I'm going to go to you again, because um, you, were, you cover Congress for us here at, uh, at The Blaze. Who, who's the most to blame for this continuing on, in your view? All right, before I answer that, just a clarification. This, the, the amendment fight, the parliamentary warfare over requesting the votes, that's going into next week. Um, I had that on the newsletter this morning, that they're expecting further votes and amendments before final passage starting around uh, Tuesday afternoon. So this thing was expected to pass Wednesday night. Like I, and this is like, this is what just the level of like parliamentary warfare that house conservatives, Chip Roy, Andy Harris, Thomas Massey and the others are, are waging on this. As Make sure as- our audience is informed on this. This is a massive omnibus spending bill that the Democrat majority in Congress wants to pass, but it doesn't include the funding that's being asked to deal with the immediate yeah. border situation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get to talk about process. Um, yeah, so this is what's known as a minibus, right? This is a smaller version of an omnibus, which is usually an amalgamation of all 12 appropriations bill. This is four of them put together, and then you got another four and another four, and they try to pass these to make it more manageable. 
much like a kidney stone mm-hmm. uh, being with a laser. And <laughs> uh, it's about as it's about as comfortable to watch. But uh, and so they have all these amendments. There are 106 amendments approved in order to go to the floor on this thing. And they were originally all going to go through under a quick voice vote, in which case it's just, again, you know, yays and nays, boom, 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 uh, in order to pressure Democrats uh, to take up this 4.5 emergency spending bill, which, by the way, contains no wall funding. This is all for the humanitarian side of the crisis mm-hmm. right now. Chip Roy, Thomas Massey, Andy Harris, Ted Budd, I know I'm forgetting a couple, but they all teamed up on this. Uh, Andy Biggs, they all teamed up on this to force votes. The to force votes and force all this procedural stuff. This thing was expected to pass before midnight on Wednesday. They're pushing it to at least Tuesday night. So as far as who's responsible for this, I, I call this a tie uh, between the between Congress, not just Democrats, Congress as a whole, and whoever the hell in the administration is just dead set on keeping, just telling the president over and over that he doesn't have plenary power to actually address this himself, as Daniel Horowitz has, has explained over and over and over a conservative review. Um, those, I think those are the two biggest things going on here, right? There can be a shutdown. Whoever's saying that the shutdown's a bad idea in the West Wing is, and whoever is keeping that from happening is responsible, as well as whoever, you know, the, just the lack of motivation. Who in the, has the West Wing contemplated whether it, what it does for the president's reelect? If there's a massive disease outbreak, a massive uh, criminal enterprise, terrorist attack uh, that that occurs as a result of our um, uh, unsecured, unprotected southern border in the most important state in the union for Republicans, uh, Texas. And this was the signature issue that he was going to stop stuff like this if he became president. Whoever's telling uh, Trump there to uh, to just go ahead and let uh uh, uh, you know, uh, Judge Lucifer in the 666th District of Babylon, Senator Immigration Policy. Have they considered how much that might not be good for the reelect uh, prospects next year? Well, here's my question is, is you know, what effect is it really going to have, right? Is, is this going to be something that really, really dampens Republican enthusiasm that, that actually harms the president's reelect? Or are we talking about Obamacare repeal 2.0? That being something that you, the... You can continually fix as long as you demonize the Democrats over it. But, I mean, we're kind of doing it. They're doing it in reverse here is that they had the opportunity to fix it. They didn't. And now they can try to campaign on it against Democrats. So I honestly have no idea which way that's going to split. I don't either. I mean, you have a Republican president who's in control of our national defense. You have Republican governor, total Republican government in the state of Texas. And, and, and heaven forbid something terrible happens there because of what they're allowing to occur on their watch. I, I, I mean, history has shown for, you know, this is not you and I's first rodeo, Todd. History has shown when Republicans don't keep their promises and then try to blame Democrats for the promises they didn't keep, it literally never works. I believe we just learned this by the fact that Nate is covering 40 new members of the Democratic caucus in the House of Representatives than he was covering a year ago at this time, like on the failed Obamacare fight. This never, ever, this tactic of, we didn't do our jobs, and so now we blame the Democrats for it. it it's it just, it's never worked. Maybe it'll work this time. I don't know. Maybe we're so balkanized. Democrats have gone so far left. Maybe it'll work. But heretofore, it has never worked. Your, your thoughts on this, Todd? Well, you, you stole my thunder. The, the primary answer in any answer you give 
in this uh, must include one word, and that's Republicans. Uh, it, it goes back primarily to the, the Republican Congress of 2016. It's still the one most responsible for this continuing here in the here and now, because that was the time. It was, it was never not going to be difficult if it got past uh, and into this uh, latest uh, election cycle. So right at the top of that list is Mitch McConnell and um, Wonder Boy, James Paul Wisconsin, Ryan. Paul Ryan. Yeah, uh, it is squarely uh, on them. But I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the Republican state of Texas, the Republican president. Of course they are. If you want to force the issue, you have got to ultimately— Remember, uh, for Red October, Steve, the hard part about no, uh, playing chicken is knowing when to flinch. You, you, It's got to be more than words. Where is that National Guard down on that border? Where is that emergency declaration that makes everybody go, What Whoa. country would not send their military right. to a border that 164,000 people yeah. who do not have a legal right to cross it have done so in the last month? Name me a nation in the history of this earth that would not do that right away. Name me a nation on this earth right now that would not do that right away. I know. It's ridiculous. So all things Republican. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, my answer was going to be pretty similar to Nate's. It is, uh, it is a yes when it comes to Congress and the executive branch and the, the, the president. We'll start with the latter. I mean, he is the president of the United States. He is the chief executor. Root word of executor or executive is execute, meaning he has to execute the law. The laws on the books that we already have, actually, if they were enforced, I don't think the crisis would be nearly as bad. It might not even be a crisis. It would still be a problem. But what we're facing right now and have faced for the last couple of years, and especially the last year, uh, has been a full-blown crisis. And yet the chief executive is not executing the law because either people around him or he himself don't have the stones or the wherewithal or the will to actually stand up to the courts. The courts, and Daniel Horowitz has been all over this, a conservative review as well, the courts and the corrupt judges in the 666th uh, District of California, uh, Babylon are, are uh, again, they are the ones who are uh, causing a lot of this problem as well. So it's either the president himself or the people advising the president they have a lot of blame for this as well because as the president the chief executive of the united states he has the power to you know i don't know secure the border of the united states and for whatever reason that's not happening at the executive branch and it's a lack of willpower just plain stupidity or people are just corrupt uh influences around him congress as well it's worthless it's absolutely worthless that's all i have to say nate you have any final thoughts on now that the three of us have shared ours go ahead quickly to speak in broad terms on this the frustrating thing about living in this town, working in this town, covering politics in this town, is that even some of the best, even some of the best folks that you'll find to staff things up for any given thing, have dr- have drunk too much swamp water over the course of RCV, their career. It's, it's rule. It's RCV, ruling class virus. It's an airborne contagion. It infects yeah. all of you. The minute we, you get off the plane there at Dulles or Reagan, there is no known cure other than term limits or being forced to relocate eventually. That's and what that's happens. That's why I go to these detox sessions in South Carolina, but that's, there's a lot of RCV <laughs> going on. Like, even if, like, even if you, know, you can find the best people from the D.C. area, they're still going to have a touch of it. Yep. Right? And that's, there's a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I've used this analogy before. It's the capital from Hunger Games. It, you, it's oh, District yeah. One. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exit question on a scale of one to ten, with again one being as flaccid as Lindsey Graham's tea level, and ten being as impactful as Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. 
How high is your confidence that Mexico will live up to what it pledged to President Trump this week? Aaron. Negative integers. Todd. I don't even know what it is, so three. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty confident they won't live up yeah. to it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Nate? Oh, I mean, regardless of what the promise is, Mexico City has about as much control over territory in Mexico as Kabul does over Afghanistan currently. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say it too. I, I, I got to reset this best line I have ever heard on this debate. <laughs> and I've I've done countless columns, shows about this, the immigration issue for the last uh, seven years now. And the best line I have ever heard is when Daniel Horowitz was on here the other day. Hmm. And, and, and we asked him his thoughts on how is it real, this deal with Mexico? And he said, well, Steve, we've been hearing all these years, right? That we need to rely on Mexicans to do the jobs Americans won't. <laughs> You see, we had a spit take. Is that our show's first spit take? Yes. Thank you, Nate Man. I, I would have done one if I had some. If I was in the middle of drinking something at that moment. I mean, and he, and, and just so the way accurate. he delivered it, too. Yeah. The way painful. he delivered it was so deadpan with a with a wry smile. It was just absolute perfection. That was coffee. That hurt. <laughs> All right. When we come back um, here in a moment, we've got two issues left. Um, we've got an interesting kicker. Uh, that uh, has to deal with uh, all of the bannings that we have seen of of some prominent uh, conservatives on social media uh, as of late. Uh, And then we're going to talk about uh, what could very well be the perfect obituary for whatever is left of Western civilization. That's next. Stay tuned. So you don't have a a stoplight at your kitchen table because that would be weird if you did. Thankfully, though, Nature, your creator, put one in your body. It's got a fancy name, but its abbreviation is OEA. Unfortunately, for too many of us, the older we get, and maybe even beforehand, that signal, which is supposed to go from the gut to the brain to say when we're full so we can stop eating, and that has the metabolism uh, kicking in and working the way that it's supposed to. Uh, For too many of us, that signal just isn't what it's supposed to be, and this could be the missing link. Uh, and why you've been losing the battle of the bulge. So uh, if, you've try, if you're trying to live a healthy lifestyle, not quite seeing, uh, despite your best efforts, uh, the results you had hoped for, give Riduzone a shot. All Riduzone wants to do, it's not loaded with chemicals, it's not a stimulant, not packed with caffeine. All it wants to do is put that OEA back in your body so the gut and brain are on the same page and your metabolism works the way it's supposed to. And right now, if you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, you'll get a special offer You'll get a special offer when you go to the website, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, for riduzone.com. Let's get back to the day's group. Uh, Nate Madden, our congressional correspondent, joining myself, Todd, and Aaron here this week on your weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three, the perfect obituary for whatever is left of Western civilization. 
In the aftermath of YouTube's demonetization of several right-leaning political commentary channels, including Blaze TV's Steven Crowder, the publication Axios published an interview with Google CEO Sundar Pichai discussing borderline content on the video platform and how to police it. The interviewer was a man by the name of Ina Freed, formerly known as Ian Freed. I thought maybe a good place to start is YouTube, and obviously it comes up a lot. What goes through your mind when you watch a video like the recent one? You had this teenager what appeared to be donning Muslim garb, spewing a lot of anti-Muslim, anti-Semitic, homophobic hate. What goes through your mind when you see a video like that and see that it's gotten 350,000 views? You know, uh, I don't know all the details of this specific video, but uh, in general, look, I mean, all of us, uh, you know, none of us want harmful content on our platforms. I think last quarter alone, we removed 9 million videos from the platform. More recently, we have introduced, you know, just like today we do this in search, we, you know, we rank content based on quality. And so we're bringing that same notion and approach to YouTube so that we can rank higher quality stuff better and really prevent uh, borderline content, content which doesn't exactly violate policies which need to be removed but which can still cause harm. And so we are working hard. It's a hard computer science problem. It's also a hard societal problem because we need better frameworks around what is hate speech, what's not, and how do we as a company make those decisions at scale and get it right without making mistakes. You've talked about the progress that's made, but I feel like every other week we're talking about something really bad, whether it was you know with the uh, Notre Dame fires and 9-11 footage showing up, it feels like there's still a lot of problems. I mean, what sort of grade would you give YouTube for where it's at right now? Look, we aren't quite where we want to be, uh, you know, but I, I, I think it's a genuinely hard problem of how do you, YouTube has the scale of the entire internet. And I think we are making a lot of progress, but the thing we are trying to do is to bring more authoritative uh, sources and fact checks on videos which may be controversial. It's- In completely unrelated news, turn out the lights. So in that clip, you have a mentally ill person, a mentally ill man, um, kvetching and interviewing a guy who runs the most uh, powerful corporation on the planet that is currently working with the communist regime in uh, China, our our chief economic rival, to set up a social credit uh, system right out of a Black Mirror episode where they are each expressing their mutual concern for what they would both describe as, quote, borderline comment or content. So, gentlemen, first question to all of you, true or false? We are doomed. Todd. I'm going to go with true. I'm going to go with true. Uh, the horse has left the barn. Like I said, if it, we have to reclaim our American republic. I mean, the, the, there's a second revolution going on that we have to, to win. The, the first one uh, is, is, in very many respects, just a, a moot point uh, right now for reasons like this. Because uh, the optics of this are it, – it's – picture it may as well have been jeffrey dahmer sitting there across from this guy uh pontificating hannibal lecter about all this that the other thing recipes he likes uh foreign affairs and the the other guy john wayne gacy with his john water wayne paintings gacy, yes yeah. uh, the other guy on the other side well yes i that's I, I never thought of that and yes you bring up very good po- yeah it's it's that absurd it's really that absurd this person there hasn't uh, uh, killed anybody, uh, but th- that person certainly has killed common sense. That person is in the process of killing uh, their own soul. Uh, it is 
utter stupidity that over and over and over again, and it's dripping down into all manner of conversation, just conversation at the local level, Steve's instance of lucid insanity. You have the seemingly, you don't have to be that depraved as this person or the other examples I mentioned to engage in the same farcical imaginary nonsense and 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 you call that common sense it goes on every day in your public schools i'm dealing with that up to my eyeballs uh right now so yeah doomed that that person interviewing that guy the man interviewing him needs needs help counseling mental health spiritual guidance instead he is now your watcher on the wall and and he will now uh, help decide uh, what will be determined uh, to be uh, suitable for consumption through the Overton window. Nate, but I, I'm sure you're not concerned about this at all. <laughs> yeah, no. I've, I mean, as far as, yeah, doomed as far as the social media platform, as far as the culture, I'm pretty much Major Kong at the end of Doctor Strange Love at this point. Like, look, I, like, I, I've read the end of the book. I know Christ eventually wins in the end. Uh, as far as the temporal governments and cultures that come and go, yeah, I'm Major Kong at it hard. What do you think, Karen? The answer since uh, the fall has always been yes. Absent the presence of some uh, salvific, um, uh, you know, force, which fortunately we have, but absent that, again, the answer has to be yes. Humans are always doomed because we're not basically good. Our nature is not basically good. And that term that Todd dropped just a few minutes ago, the lucid insanity, uh, that is perfectly encapsulated in that uh, in, in that video that we just saw. And I've said this over and over again, and I'll say it again this time as well. I think the real crazy person in that, that, uh, in that clip, and maybe it's moot to even try to say, okay, which degree of crazy is more crazy here? But the, the, the craziest person in that clip is not the dude who feels pretty. <clears throat> it's not Ina. Um, it's that YouTube CEO who's sitting there and just like, yep, mm-hmm, yes, this is normal. It, it's the people. If, if you want to know what it looks like when a crowd full of, of people, a stadium full of people, watches a college athlete, a high school athlete, a, a guy competing against women, if you, if you wonder what the typical person sitting in the crowd looks like, it is that YouTube CEO. Mm. Just letting it go, yeah. yeah. Or uh, at best, uh, well, we can't rock the boat here. The, the craziest people are the ones who enable or just let it go. Those are the real people who have the biggest, I think, mental disorder. Um, because at least, at least the people who are pretending to be pretty, the dudes pretending to be pretty or who feel, feel pretty, they're at least being honest about their mental illness. The other people letting it go, not rocking the boat, saying this is fine. You're not being honest. You're lying to each other. You're lying to yourselves. You have the biggest problem here. Let's get to the exit question, and let's do a multiple choice on this. What is more likely to happen in the next five years? Okay. A, tech giants become public utilities and conspire directly with government to limit free speech and contrarian thinking in the public square. B, a conservative alternative arises to compete in this space. C, you can't get a URL or an app unless you sign up for the Rainbow Jihad. 
or D, all of the above? Which do you think is the most likely to happen in the next five years? Aaron, I'll start with you. Right now, because I've thought about this a little bit more, I'll, I'll try to make my thoughts as brief as, as possible. I've thought about this a little bit more. I still think that there is time to actually have some sort of alternative. I mean, that time is closing in very fast, but I do think that there is still some time to have some sort of alternative, some sort of, I don't know, uh, what's District 13, uh, basically, Mm -hmm. some District 13 space on the internet. So I'm going to go with that. All right, so you're going to go with B, a conservative alternative arises to compete in this space. What do you think, Todd? B, because it's already happening. It's happening this week with uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, And now that's not technically concerned he's not technically conservative but somebody deciding like uh, we're going to have a free speech uh uh space and we're not going to be the speech nazis that's a pretty conservative idea so um i'm going with b as well all right rare optimism from the first two members of this panel what do you think nate what's your answer it's going to be all of the above in varying forms um every day i cover 535 people 90 percent of which have no idea 95 97% have no idea how social media works. Uh, And a lot of them want to get their claws on on top of this problem. Both parties in both situations. Uh, There's going to be some sort of regulation coming down the pipeline at some point. Don't know what it's going to look like. They don't know what it's going to look like because they don't understand this, but it's going to happen. And yeah, we're seeing stuff, you know, parlors, parlors uh, getting some steam. Uh, John Miller just interviewed the CEO, I think last week. Uh, Jordan Peterson's about to launch his thing. There are other competitors that aren't just, you know, the problem was like previous competitors, they just got so quickly overrun by, you know, crazy people who had gotten banned from other platforms that they that shot their viability all to hell. But I think there's more of an appetite for it now in the market. So that's there. Um, but I think we also are reaching a point where you're going to have to, you know, conservatives, uh, you know, you know, Christians who don't identify as politically conservative, but believe in things that the left hates. Uh, we're going to have to, you know, start carving out our own spaces, you know, not just in social media, but in, you know, in website hosting, in, in, you know, app development, in, you know, online payment platforms, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that's, that's all there. I don't think there's any question about that. Let's get to issue four along those same lines. Who's next? It's time for the social media roulette game show. Who's next? Featuring a few lucky contestants vying to have their platforms demonetized or erased. Last week, YouTube demonetized Steven Crowder, Pinterest labeled live action as pornography, and Twitter suspended Project Veritas for their investigative journalism into social media censorship. This week's candidates from The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, whose various platforms across Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube triggers even the softest leftists, Jordan Peterson, who announced this week he's starting a new social media platform that will only banish people if required to do so by a court of law, and Blaze TV's Ali Stuckey for committing the crime of being a strong woman while having a consistent biblical hermeneutic about almost everything. It's all coming up this week on Who's Next? The Social Media Censorship Roulette Game Show. Indeed. I mean, we're bringing back card sharks, press your luck. Might as well bring back Who's Next to be banned and censored as well, right? Doesn't have quite the same ring to it, Todd. <laughs> so this week, YouTube let, uh, let you know Steven Crowder is doing a great job. Uh, by demonetizing his content. Uh, Pentagram, I'm sorry, uh, Pinterest. I'm a guy, I'm not really familiar with uh, some of these cheeky names. Uh, Pinterest 
uh, told us live action is making Molech bleed. And Twitter suspended Project Veritas for the awesome job they're doing exposing social media censorship. And so therefore they censored them. Uh, let's play a game uh, along the lines of what Aaron just introduced. Who in the conservative media sphere right now? You can either go with Aaron's nominees, maybe have your own. Uh, you think is doing such a great job that they're going to be receiving the ultimate honor by progressives next by banning them off of social media since they are losing the argument. What do you think, Todd? I'm going to go with uh, Matt Walsh. He's usually when conservatives. That's a good call going off the board. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that happening. I think yeah. conservatives, um, when they get banned, it's usually for something that is so obviously applicable to the left as well. And it, it just doesn't matter. And Matt Walsh has this ability, and I love it. Uh, not, it's not, he just goes there all the time. He just says, that argument is dumb and impossible and flaccid. You should even be ashamed for being a human being. I, and he does almost, that. Almost yeah. every Matt Walsh yes. tweet could be subtitled, Jane, you ignorant Ex- Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And yes. he, he's kind of perfected that craft. And I, I think he's hot. And they, they're looking for, he's high enough. Yep. But not too high. Right, because Shapiro, the problem with the Shapiro... Is that if you mess yes, with him. Yeah. yeah, he's got the biggest audience in right. all of conservative media right now. I mean, yeah. you hit... So. It's why the IRS r- goes after... Say, you know, rarely goes after... Every Willie Nelson they go after for tax evasion, they go after a whole bunch of people that make about what I make or a little bit mm-hmm. more because we can't. We have enough money that it makes it worth their while, but we can't afford the attorneys that can actually beat them in their own courts. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Shapiro, you, I mean, that's your own bottom line. If you if you kick him to the curb, right? But uh, Matt Walsh has definitely got a big enough audience that you know he won't be as missed nearly as much, and so you can make your statement with him. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, and you're still he works for him, so you're tangentially going after him. And yeah, you're you're right. dipping same, your foot in the pool. Same uh, entity. What do you think, Nate? Ooh, I was going to say Allie, but if we're going off board, yeah, I've got to agree with Matt Walsh again for those exact same reasons. You know. Like the thing is, like Shapiro's already been there in other formats, right? We had the whole we had was it like a whole a year and a half, two years of Ben getting banned from college campuses and fighting right. back and teaming up with ADF. He's already been there in real life. He he definitely knows how to fight it on social, like, and he's definitely got the ready infrastructure there to immediately punch back hard. You know, Matt looks like a softer, softer target. Aaron, I'm, I'm going with Ali for all the reasons that Todd actually stated, but for one. X factor, which is that she's actually funny. Uh, she's funnier than Matt Walsh, I would say. And if that's true, I mean, you, you can't. Yeah, the devil does not like to be mocked. You cannot be. Ma- uh, yes. yes, you cannot be mocking and laughing at the devil. So I'm oh, with she, her. We, I know she's pregnant, so she's got excuses. But we need more like the, those video that video yeah. she did with Ocasio Cortez. I, I thought about that video when you had that yeah. clip of her earlier. I know it's like bad optics and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Um, but still, <laughs> exit question. Um, what happens first? I get invited to speak at CPAC or I receive no. a blanket social media ban. Aaron. Oh. <laughs> what do you um, think? A blanket social media ban. I think yeah. this one's kind of easy, Todd. It better be a social media ban or I quit. Because right. it, it will happen after you get the bl- blanket social media ban. Yes. What do you, th- what do you think, Nate? Um, <laughs> you've never been speak at CPAC. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> It's an, on, it's, it's an ongoing joke at our, on our show. Who will get invited and what has to happen in this world before I uh, get a chance to speak at CPAC? Designated survivor in the movement kind of thing? Yes. Let's get to predictions. Todd, go. 
It's along the lines of where you're, I won't say it, but you, you inspired me to think. Last week, I, I said uh, Wonder Woman, I think, would do better than the first one. And this helps me think about what I think the movie is going to be, continue the themes, going to be so good about uh, the traditional feminine attributes that it, it's going to be panned this time. It was the, the critics reluctantly, you could tell, kind of liked it. Um, but, but now I think they're going to have to hate it because it won't be woke. And that's going to help it make more money. All right. What do you think, Nate? Your prediction quickly go. Uh, I'm going to borrow mine from St. Anthony the Great, like third century. The time is coming when men will go mad. And when they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him saying, you are mad because you are not like us. Been happening since the early days of the church. It's happening now. It will continue happening until Jesus comes back. I'm not like I, I felt the need to clarify that after my major Kong statement. I hear you. What do you think, Aaron? Your prediction? Uh, the next few weeks will be uh, NFL uh, standing predictions. I'm going to start with the NFC West. Uh, the 49ers are going to leapfrog the Rams. The Rams will be in second place. Uh, the Seahawks in third, and then uh, the Cardinals in fourth. 49ers are one of my season over win total best bets, so I like that prediction. Uh, I'm going to predict that from this time forward, starting next year, when Marvel enters into phase four, so not including Spider-Man Homecoming, all right, although it wouldn't shock me if it included that one. In fact, you know what? Yeah, I am going to include Spider-Man Homecoming. From this time forward, there will not be another MCU film made that doesn't include at least one sexually non-conforming major character. It won't, there won't, there won't, they won't make another one that doesn't have at least one. And I'm not talking gay guy at a uh, support group for two minutes, you know, you know, and then there's another three hours of Avengers uh, Endgame. No, I mean, a, a, a substantive character. You will not see a, a Marvel film made from this time forward that doesn't have at least one non-conforming sexuality in a major character. Nate, good to see you, man. Thank you for joining us. Take care of that scalding uh, coffee. We'll come back with uh, hour number two. It's Feedback Friday next. And we're back here with hour number two on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand. But let's face it, we're not really all that much in demand. Uh, here at The Blaze, steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the show. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Who doesn't like us? Aaron, how many uh, likes are we at right now? Are you, are you keeping track still? I don't uh, even warn you about this. Oh, about tree fitty. Yeah. So are we still at our normal pace of receiving no additional likes week after week while they tell us we get 87 a week? Are, you know, they, are we I, still there? It's funny you asked me that today because I was just looking at our stats for our Facebook watch page. We started this the This is year, the separate page yeah. that the Blaze set up for yep. us to share for video to share clips. Video clips. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's grown by almost 20,000 since the start of the year. Uh, our main page that you have been um, uh, incubating for the last uh, I don't know, eight seven, years, seven, eight 2011. years, eight years. Yeah, uh, that's received approximately uh, not that many. <laughs> hey, Ron. <laughs> Could you be more precise? There's that, not quite that many. That Nadler shrug again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you're trying to like us on Facebook, I mean, I have had people email me and tell me, hey, I've liked you on Facebook like every day this week. And I keep being told when I go back to your page that I'm not liking your page. So if you want to know what a shadow, when you hear about shadow bands, what does it look like? It, it looks like my Facebook page. All right. So uh, if you want to uh, like us on Facebook, you need to keep liking us there like a lot. Okay. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter for now. 
at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E for those of you listening on Blaze Radio or the podcast. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, thank you very much for carving out some time to listen to us when it was convenient for you. We appreciate that. If you would not mind leaving us, though, a five-star review at the podcast platform of your choice, those are very much appreciated. Why? Because the more of those we get, the more we find people like you and the more likely we are to get to continue to do this for a living. Thousands of you have done this for us already, and we thank each and every one of you. All right, you guys ready to get some feedback Friday going? Yeah. Always. Great way to end every single week. All right, so the last hour of the week, we set it aside for you, the people. And we begin with Cliff, who says, I have questions for you, Steve, based off of your time spent in politics. Specifically, your contention that no one gets more principled the longer they're in power. I, I've never met anybody who gets more principled the longer they're in power. I, I think politicians, even the best ones, have a buy-sell rate. And if my buddy Chip Roy were sitting in this chair to, uh, over here, um, who's, who's now a converted politician, he has gone from activist to, 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 to aide to politician, he would say the exact same thing. He's like, that's why I can't do this for 10 years, because it'll happen to me too, because I saw it happen to all kinds of other good people as well, all right? So I can't think, can you think of anybody who's gotten more principled the longer they've been in office? Anybody? I sh if there was, I should be able to think of them instantaneously, and I can't, so no. Well, you know what? I think I should put a qualifier in this. Nobody that, that represents, I can't think of anybody that represents what's, what's left of America who has become more principled the longer they're in office. We see all kinds of people who become more progressive the longer they're in office, yeah. right? Who become more left the longer they're in office. I mean, we've just, we've watched Joe Biden, for example, just, you know, essentially try to erase the last 49 and a half years of his political career in the month of June. And it's only June the 14th, right? We've seen that in two weeks. So you, you, we, people do become more principled, I should say, it, for, in, from a left perspective. But I've never seen anybody that represents what's left of America yeah. get more principled the longer that they are there. I think that's at least fair. Yeah, and it's why over time, I used to think term limits, and I'm talking a long time ago. My gut was just like, you know, we, come on, let's just, just expect better of one another. We, do we need to be babysitted that much? I mean, we, we just need to set higher standards. I, I've totally flipped on that. We, we, we can't. We need to be babysat. We we can't expect. I don't think there's standards. any question. We no, need there, term limits. And in fact, the best argument I've heard against them is often, "Well, we want experienced people who understand how to navigate the system." And I'm like, "You understand yeah. that is the absolute that, best argument." I know for them, but that's what yeah. would have been. You know, I, that would have been one of my arguments. You know, it takes a little while to learn the machinery, but you know, just be there, hold them accountable better. You know, they'll no, no. It just, no, because they I don't control. It. They control. They control who gets name ID. Here's the thing that people don't understand about the political process, and you wouldn't if you haven't worked in it or covered it. Okay, and and if you want to know, there's Cliff. I'm going to answer all your questions. I promise. There, there, but you have you have Cliff. You've in, you've inspired a larger conversation that I I, I want to impart some wisdom to the audience, and it's not sage like wisdom. It's um. Would you like to see my scars? That kind of wisdom. Like, if, if you want to know, why am I like this? <laughs> how, did you be, how did you become like this? Why, what are these marks on your back? I don't, where'd they come from? It's that kind of wisdom. Hard-earned wisdom. There's two reasons why we lose our people to the system. And I mean, people who go there with the right convictions, right intentions, 
and then eventually succumb to the system. There's two reasons why. Uh, one is that from the very beginning, and well, there's three reasons. One is a very basic one. Sometimes people just lie to us, right? That's a very basic reason. Some, sometimes we lose them to the system because we never had them. They, they lied to us the entire time. All right, so there's that. That's, that's an easy one. But let me say this, though. I haven't seen that as much as you might think, actually. And the reason why is because I learned early on in my career that if I had to chase down political candidates, when I could give them the thing that almost no one else can, free airtime, a free platform to meet their potential voters and constituents, I cannot, in fact, it, I, I, there is, has never been a time where if I had to chase a candidate down, where they didn't come to me, they didn't annoy me, they didn't pester me or request to come on the air. If I had to go on offense and take the initiative to bring them on, they've sucked every single time. Because the people that are going to lie to you, unless they're real sociopaths, and there have been a few, aren't going to risk exposure on a platform like this one. They're not going to expose themselves to folks like you out there in the audience with everybody having a camera and, and, and a, you know, a studio-grade recorder on their smartphone. So there, there, there ha- I haven't encountered, I have, a couple, have encountered a couple, but I haven't encountered nearly as many I just lied to you right to your face types. There's really not as much of that as you think. Because at least when it comes to reaching out to people like us, because they would risk being exposed for frauds. They have a tendency to try to win by going around. Those kinds of people try to win by going around us, pretending we don't exist, all right? So then the other two reasons are more relevant where people like us are concerned, folks. The first reason is, the first one is, the entirety of this system is predicated on nihilism. It is, it is predicated on abandon hope, all ye who enter. And what it wants to show is that it can corrupt everybody. That no one can rise above it. It's impossible. And therefore, since no one can rise above it, there is no hope of anything nobler or more noble. In the end, you're better off just getting on board and getting your cut. That's its, and it seeks, that's what it, it seeks to find everybody's soft spot. What is it you want? Oh, you're really principled, but you're from a state that has, uh, you know, a, a huge government interest in space exploration or pick something. Pick something the government has the market cornered on. You got to give on that, though, aren't you? And then the next year, we gave on that that one time. Why won't you give on this one now to get this that you need for your constituent? That, that is the entire game. Washington is set up like the fairy scene at the end of the dark night. And it is the Joker. And the point is to show you there can be no heroes. There can be no white knights. No one can rise above. And since most men in particular have never left high school, I would argue too many women repeat high school over and over again with the clickiness and the cattiness and everything else. For men, we like never leave it. The desire to be in the in crowd, to be accepted. And, and we, we don't call it popularity when we get older, ladies. We call it significance, right? That's the word we use 
when we start having, you know, uh, plucking the hairs out of our nose and ears, we don't talk about it being popularity. We're talking about it. significance. It's a lie. It's popularity. And I know to us it sounds dumb when like the Mitch McConnells of the world say to the Ted Cruz's, if you don't give us what we want, we won't give you the committee assignments you want. And to us, we're like, so freaking what? Who cares? Did you think that way though in high school when you didn't get to sit at the table that you wanted to? Now, what makes me unique is I went to 11 different schools from kindergarten to my senior to when I graduated my senior year. In fact, in high school, after I was one of the most popular kids in my sophomore class, we moved to Iowa because my mom got homesick. I went to the largest high school in the state where I literally knew nobody. I was completely insignificant for an entire year. And then we changed our minds and moved back to the same neighborhood in Wyoming, Michigan, where I went back to the same high school I left before. We did this a lot when I was growing up. So this non-conformity, non, you know, this contra- these, the, the contrarian notions, the, my, my, and then you grow up with an abusive stepdad, you learn this even more. You learn how to live life and find peace without getting acceptance from people and affirmations all the time. Now, I wouldn't necessarily wish that on any of you, but, you know, it's a little bit like what Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God used for good. It prepared me for what I am doing now. Because the, real, the, the reality is, if you want to know, hey, why isn't your show sold out when this one did or that one did? Um, it's not because we have some higher form of integrity or we did this one Bible study that like no one else has found. You know what it really kind of is? I, I, don't, I don't need you as much as other people think they do. I don't, you know, and, and in the end, if you don't like me, but I think you'll do what's right for my family and families like yours, I'll support you. And then in the end, you know, you can be Mike Huckabee. I, I love the man, but he got soft. And that's why I didn't support him in the last caucus cycle. He got soft. And will talk to me ever since now. Oh, well. It may, that may be the case with Ted Cruz the next time. I don't know. We're buddies now. Maybe we won't be. Maybe I'll decide in a few years, you know what, you lost your fastball, man. I'm kind of moving on. And then a whole bunch of you who are like in the Ted Cruz camp, I, I'm not saying this will happen. I'm just saying, I'm giving an example of this has happened on and on and on in my career. But when you come home from school every day and you're not sure, is this the day that my dad takes me to uh, Dairy Queen or the Burlingame Dairy Dip in this case? Where I get the biggest, you know, uh, cone of Superman ice cream I can imagine. And, you know, we get to, you know, I get to pick out whatever movie I want at, uh, you know, the blockbuster, right? Or, or he's going to come home and wail on me. When you live like that, when you go play basketball at Troy Van Tynan's house, and you're not sure when you're riding your bike up the street, am I going to hear my dad beating on my mom? Or is he going to be in a good mood grilling steaks outside? When you live like that. And at a given day, you're not sure when you come home, are we moving to a new state? What school am I going to? What are we doing? When you live like that, you learn early on how to get by without a lot of affirmation and people pleasing. Now, it's, it's, it's made me, it's given me advantages in this line of work. It's made me a difficult person at times to be married to, ask my wife. Because, you know, marriage is kind of about, you know, that sort of uh, mutual support society. I've had to f- force myself to learn that. And, and frankly, if I had not had a faith conversion, I never would have done it. I just would have left, stayed in my own world and not cared. 
because I wouldn't have taken that, you know, love your wife as Christ, love the church, love your neighbor as you love yourself thing. I, I would have just found other reasons to justify, well, it's how I am. If you don't like it, suck it. That's what I would have said because that's what I told people until September 18, 2003. And frankly, it's what I still tell a lot too many people probably here on June 14, 2019. All right. But that's the issue. Can I have to belong to something. I got to be a part of something. We lose so many of our people because in the end, they can't hack being by themselves. They can't handle the shunning. They can't do it. And that's the point. And so in the end, the system is like, and that's why you, you know what? You don't have to be like that. You know, come join the cool kids. The offer's always, the offer is always on the table. Always. That's, that's why, Todd, the longer they're there, the worse they get. Let me give you an analogy. You, you can take the most devout, earnest, pious man, put him alone in a locked room with a group of naked and willing women. He might last longer than me, might last longer than Todd, might last longer than Aaron, might last longer than most normal men in this situation would. But sooner or later, bad company, as the proverb says, is going to corrupt good character. Know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Put him in this situation long enough where there's nowhere out, no way out, no way out. Sooner or later, he is going to succumb because he may be a devout man. He might be a very pious one. But you know what he still remains? A man, nonetheless. So that's the first reason. The second one is, you can't, they control, the system controls virtually all the, the machinery of politics. And you may think you know what that means, but it's even more fundamental and basic than you think. Like, I can't send a letter to my constituents like, I, I, I can't, you literally, once you get elected, you literally cannot do anything. There is no infrastructure in place for you that you can access. Voter vaults, data, nothing. All of that is shut off. Before the whole stories of um, what may or may not have happened at the Gadsden Mall in 1978 or 82, I can tell you that one very prominent conservative consultant firm was lined up to support Roy Moore in that primary. And then they uh, ceremoniously dumped him as a client, despite the fact he was leading in all the polls. And the reason they did so is because uh, Mitch McConnell had told, had sent out the edict to all of the consultant firms that if you are found to be backing any uh, incumbent or backing the primary challenger of any incumbent in any of the primaries in this cycle, you will not be a vendor or permitted to, to represent any of our people anywhere in the country. And of course, uh, you had, uh, was it Luther Strange? I think had been given that position. Uh, I was appointed so. there after Jeff Sessions got the AG job. Okay. And so technically he was an incumbent, even though he don't think he won an election. That's, by the way, folks, some of you may be like, wow, how many times I've seen that? Hundreds. 
No, let's, that, let's go with dozens. That's a, that's a, you know, it's a, that's extreme, but I've seen it dozens. It's, it's, it's daily, how the business works here daily. And so here's why those firms are, you know, I know there's this notion, and I've probably fed some of it, that these firms are terrible all the time because they just walk around telling candidates and handing them scripts what to say. There is some of that. But here's where they also help you. Hey, booking you in the right media platforms because they've got the contacts. Hey, I want to put together a full color mailer that pops when it, when it shows up in a mailbox. I mean, they do all that stuff for you too. You, you, I mean, they control all of the machinery, all of it, the system does. You cannot, the, the, I think we forget sometimes that politicians a job. It can be a calling, but it's also a job. Hey, I view this show as a calling on a macro level, but it's also a job, right? We got to have somebody who understands how the microphones work and hook up. You see what I'm trying to say? The nuts and bolts of this, it's, it's not ethereal. It's still a job. It's a vocation. And so is politics. It's vocation. And the nuts and bolts of stuff, what do I find the right staff? What are the, what are the policies of, uh, and, and procedures of fundraising and all of those things? And who would I even go to? The system controls all of them. You, you, there's, been, there's only been two politicians I have ever seen that have been able to create what I'm really talking about here is an economy of scale. They've, they've created their own micro economies and you know both of their names. Bernie Sanders has done it. Ron Paul did it. They're the only two people I know of in modern American history that have been able to create their own economies of scale where they, where they have their own infrastructure in place that can largely op, that could largely operate outside of the system to sustain them. And, and it's probably no surprise. Those are why those have been the two orneriest. They were, those were the two orneriest old cusses for the longest period of time because they didn't need anything from anybody. And now what's happened is, you know, Ron Paul, the movement became Ron Paul Inc. And several of those people have gone to house arrest or prison and were corrupt because uh, they, you know, the next generation took over. That typically happens too. When the old man's people take over and some of the son's people take over, uh, they start, you know, Rehoboam's friends start smelling a buck and they corrupt things. That's what happened to Ron Paul's movement. That's why it's not a movement anymore. But they're the only two people I've seen able to do it. But it took years to cultivate this. They had to create their own economies of scale. Those men also both served into like their 80s. Could you even, so they started doing this like in the 70s and 80s, right? Could you do this today? I don't think that you could. Well, Steve, you have social media, everything else. See, that's exactly why you couldn't. They control all of that. I mean, do you think the Google that is, that's being interviewed by a, man, a mentally ill man about borderline content would, would allow another Ron Paul to use its various, uh, the, next, the next Ron Paul to use his, their various social media platforms as the conduit to escape the Overton window and its con constraints? Do you think they'd allow that, Todd? No. Hell to the no, they would not allow it. Hell no, they wouldn't. I think it actually makes it more difficult because what these social media giants have done actually is, is we haven't diversified in the flow of information. We've concentrated it together all the more. I mean, the reality is that if you're not on these, if you, if, if you aren't directly or indirectly because you work for a platform that has access to them, if you don't have access to these tech giants as things stand right now, you're not relevant in this industry.
and you cannot be. It's just reality. You just, you can't. You guys have any thoughts on that before we go on to back to Cliff's email? And that, that's, yeah. that's your free political science lesson for the day. I've been man-crushing on Chip Roy, along with a lot of other people this week. He stays there too long. Same thing's going to happen. And Chip would tell you that. He's a, he's a good man. Yep. But he stays there too long. It, you can't, that, that analogy that you drew a few minutes ago about a, the most pious guy in a room full of, you know, um, scantily clad or naked women. I mean, that's just human nature, guys. What we just had a conversation for the last 20 minutes is just a discussion of human nature. That, that, is, that is the reality of it as well. But it's also a conversation about, um, about the, the end game in the end stages of human nature as, as well. I mean, it is, if anything, it's a testament to how well this country and our form of government was actually set up that it's taken this long to get to this place with all of those politicians and the, 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 the arena that we're in and that we find ourselves in right now. It's a testament to how, how well our, our system of government was set up. But again, anything that humans have their paws on minus divine intervention is going to screw up and it's going to become corrupted and it's going to become, as Steve led off with, nihilistic. And Chip's understanding that it would happen to him too is why yeah. he's acting the way he is yes. right now. Because yeah. He's going like, for broke because he knows he can't be there and work the system right. for 10 years. Because he knows. He knows he'll succumb to it. He knows that. Yeah. All right. Um, before we get to Feedback Friday, uh, brought to you by our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. If you are struggling uh, with energy, and so you're going to those little bottles full of chemicals and words you can't pronounce, stop. All right. If, a good rule of thumb is that if you are seeking uh, energy from outlets where you take your car to get energized, you're not a car. All right. Uh, you get energy from where your manufacturer uh, thinks you ought to get it from. All right. And that's the old fashioned way. Uh, from nature. And that's where our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition come in. They've developed uh, today's most advanced formula to stimulate more than just your heart, but your brain and the cells as well. And it's called From Dawn Till Dusk. Uh, provides clean energy, focus, and improved mood for up to 10 hours with no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar. All right? You want to give this a shot from dawn to dusk at Brickhouse Nutrition? Just go to the website, BrickhouseSteve.com. That's the website, BrickhouseSteve.com. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code. When you do, they'll give you 15% off of your first order at BrickhouseSteve.com. From dawn to dusk, promo code Steve for 15% off. All right, Cliff, you asked some questions then. Have I ever seen someone become more principled within a campaign period? That is, the principles of the candidate, perhaps even the team working on his or her campaign, oh, began to move away from their initial principles, move away from them. Yes. Um, Scott Walker's campaign for president is my most recent and tragic example. I'll give you one. Uh, there was a congressional race with a candidate that uh, I endorsed and was helping here in Iowa several years ago, and then he started getting flim, flim flammy on me. And someone told me, hey, did you know him and his wife go to separate churches? And she goes to like the United Church of Christ, which isn't a church. It's a cult, a uh, rotary club of, you know, uh, where hell hands out hosannas for doing good deeds, basically. I think that's cruel. I'm no, it's actually eat. totally accurate. Um, Todd's like, what is the United Church of yeah, Christ? I'm yeah. Catholic. Aaron, do you think that's cruel? Oh, that's that's definitely cool. Yeah, yeah but also true. Yep. Uh, and I thought, you know what? That explains 
that explains it. I, I, I can just tell you right now, always when you're, when you're vetting, the, vetting a male candidate, always check the wife. Number one thing any man wants in his home is peace. P-E-A-C-E, not P-I-E-C-E. There's a difference, okay? Number one thing any man wants in his home is peace. And he will do, what, he will do almost anything, especially the guys who are out there fighting hot or cold wars away from home. The last thing they do when they want to get home is do what? Debate and fight the wife when they do. Am I wrong on that? No, you're right. Yeah. So always vet the wife. And that, when I found out the wife went to a separate church, that essentially has, you know, uh, flushed the Bible down the toilet. That answered my question for me. Well, now I know why he's gone flimflammy. Number two, ever left the employee of a campaign because it was moving in a direction you were not comfortable with? No. Uh, number three, sense that a candidate was not as principled as you initially thought, and then seen that candidate once elected betray their principles. Maybe you weren't sure during the campaign, but you're starting to sense this uh, where it is headed because you have seen the signs before. Another variation would be, dang, I should have seen those signs and known where this was headed. Um, no. I have seen things I didn't think of to think of before, like what I just said about this guy and his you know, wife going to separate churches. Um, but... Those are lessons learned more than I should have seen the signs. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, too. I have been very picky where this is concerned. Very picky. To avoid situations like the ones you're asking me about, Cliff. You know, every, anybody, one exception, and he burned me. Everybody else that I have ever publicly supported, my wife has met. I mean, even like people running for president. You know, because she's a bloodhound when it comes to human nature. I'm not. You know, I'm more inclined to take things at face value. Um, so they've got to pass the, uh, the Amy smell test. So if I didn't do that, I, I probably would have gotten taken advantage of more often, frankly. You know, so between, you know, my own nitpickiness and uh, her sensitivity for spotting uh, frauds, I haven't had that happen too much to me, but those are, but, but those are the right questions you're asking, Cliff. You're asking the right questions. And, and that's why I wanted to share them with the audience, because if you're not preemptive in trying to avoid that, you'll get taken advantage of a lot more often. All right. Hey, if you watched a recent episode of 60 Minutes and you own your own home, be careful. Uh, they had the uh, former head of FBI cybercrimes on there warning homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home and do it all online because so many of our mortgages and our titles are kept in databases online that can be hacked. And what the thieves do is they forge their name onto your home's title after hacking that website. And then they use your home's equity as collateral to borrow money against it, sticking you with the payments. That's your investment. Your own home is the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have. Protect it with our friends at Home Title Lock. And right now, you can get a free title scan and report to find out if your home's title has already been tampered with when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. One more time, protect your most valuable investment, your own home, at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll have more Feedback Friday here on the other side. Stay tuned. Now 
that spring and summer are here, if you're thinking about going all in on the real estate market before you do, make sure you've got a real estate agent that you can trust. Uh, and that's why Glenn Beck and some of his associates got together a few years ago, started this company called Real Estate Agents I Trust. Why? Because they kept running into real estate agents that they couldn't. So uh, they learned the hard way that you're looking for a real estate agent that checks three very important boxes. Number one, someone with a proven track record uh, of success when it comes to navigating the real estate market. Then number two, someone who gets all the data, you know, all the algorithms there from the main hub, but knows the neighborhoods because there's always outliers. I am a data guy. I use it in my line of work in sports and politics and culture, but there's always outliers, all right? Algorithms aren't laws of gravity. So you got to find out why is an outlier there? Because sometimes an outlier is a new trend, and sometimes an outlier is just an outlier, right? So you're looking for an agent that doesn't spare the details. And then number three, somebody who's personable. You know, I, it's been 13 years since I last was in the real estate market uh, myself. I still see my agent, Scott Rimsberg, youth football, things around the neighborhood. Uh, the grocery store, we have the same rapport we had then. See, that's what you're looking for because this is a, a very personal and relational process. If you don't have an agent that you have a, a connection with or is interested in a rapport with you, it's probably not going to turn out the way that you want. All right. So if you're looking for an agent that checks all three of those boxes, you're looking for a real estate agent that you can trust, go find him or her right now at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. I, I, I thought during the break, I need to close the loop on something. I want to make, I want, I think I made the point of why it, it's important that, pardon me. <clears throat> Sorry, I had an air bubble there. I think I made uh, the point of why it's important that the machine owns all the machinery of politics, that you can't, you can't really go anywhere or do anything in your job or to keep your job without accessing the machine. Let me put this in a, in a, in a basic way of how that looks. Um, you're a Christian and, and you want to be a, a school teacher. Are you going to be able to teach, forget, you know, the... Fuzz Rana, um, you know, answers uh, in Genesis debate about the young versus the new earth. All right, just we're not even gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're not even gonna try that. Would you be able to tell to teach your kids in any public school district in America that um, they did not derive humanity did not derive from a random natural process of selection, but through an intelligently guided one? Would you even be able to tell them that? Um, you could argue Dr. Francis Collins is one of the most important science, scientists of the 20th century. He steered the Human Genome Project in the 1980s and 1990s. He's a believer in uh, theistic evolution. He calls himself a Christian. The guy who steered one of the most important scientific uh, inquiries of this era, he couldn't teach junior high earth science like anywhere in any elementary school once he verbalized that he thinks evolution was a guided process. Do you know of a district you could teach? I don't. No. Like anywhere in any 50 states. None. So what happens then if you're a Christian and you decide I want to be a public school teacher? You decide up front, don't you? That you're going to make certain accommodations with your views. Otherwise, you're not going to be a teacher, don't you? Yeah. Is there any way, of, is there any way to not do that? No, not, no. This, not today. No. That's what I'm talking about. You can't access the machinery of politics without going through the system. There's no, there's no homeschooling in politics. There's no, 
I'm at a private school. So we can say, it doesn't work. No one has ever set up that kind of infrastructure except for Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders. So I, I wanted to close the loop on that to make it, to make you really understand how difficult it is for these guys and gals to operate independent of the system on our behalf for very long. I mean, they're literally they're denied oxygen. I guess is in, in a way is what I'm trying to say. All right, let's get back to some feedback Friday. This is from Daniel. Another poli sci question. I was listening to your show recently. You guys were talking about the number one thing you must do in order to win in politics is to build a base. How do you know when you have a base of support? Um, You know you have a base of support when when you have a viable um, cachet of of supporters uh, that, that sustain you financially, organizationally, like volunteer work, things of that nature, um, through an increasingly competitive environment. Now, how do we define viability? It's not a formula. I mean, it just it, it's relative to the circumstance that you are in. Okay? So if, for example, if you're taking on an entrenched incumbent in a primary, you're going to need a very substantial base. And you're going to need it real quick because they have all the advantages. And almost always the party is going to be against you while claiming they're not. Now, if you're in a primary of, that, if you're in an open primary, that, and why are we only talking about primaries? Because you don't make it to the general if you haven't built a base in the primary, right? If you don't win the primary, you can't win the general. So you got to build, that's where, that's where your base is built. You don't build a base in a general election. You build a coalition. You build a base in the primary. That's why we're only talking about those. If you're in a 24, an open primary, meaning there's not an entrenched incumbent, so there's, it's open. Now, the system has its favorites, but you have more of a chance to compete. Barack Obama was not a favorite of the system, all right, but he took it on and ended up taking it over. Donald Trump, not a favorite of the system. He ended up taking it on and taking it over. No way Donald Trump would have ever successfully launched a, a, a primary bid against a sitting Republican president, for example. Had no chance. At best, he would have been a Reagan and force it to a convention, but that was a perfect storm. We had an unelected president, only appointed to the position, and then took it over from a guy that was about to become the first ever impeached and removed from office president of all time, right? So he was extraordinary. Gerald Ford was extraordinarily historically in a weakened position. And even then, a guy with massive name ID who had run for president before and was governor of one of the largest states in the country couldn't defeat him. That's how difficult it is. So if you're in an open primary and there's 24 candidates like there are right now in the Democratic primary, you're, the, the definition of viability gets dumbed down because it's a much more competitive environment. So you're going to look for stages, um, no pun intended. The first stage you're going to look for is, do I have a base of support that, that, that gets me on that debate stage? Because if, just like we saw with the Republicans, I, and we said this three, four, four years ago, whoever's in that kitty table, and I, I think I even said this directly on the show, Todd, you'll recall, there will be room for one person to leave the kitty table and join the main group. They will not win. But they'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll shine in the environment. They'll get promoted. But whoever's not on the main stage in that very first debate has no chance to be the nominee, right? 
And that's exactly what happened. So that's the, that you have to make sure because why? Because even though we're taking polls and people are raising a lot of money, folks aren't going to really start paying attention. I mean, the hardcore are paying attention, but the next stage, which makes up the vast majority of, of voters, they're going to start paying attention when there's debates. Why? Because they're busy. And so I can see all of you on the stage together. I can size you all up together. I don't have time. I'm not an activist. I, don't have, I, I care, but I'm not an activist. So I have time to do this. You know, I can give you two hours for a, a once a month in a debate. I can do that. I can't do this every single day. Okay? And so that's a massive group of people in both parties' spaces. And, and you've got to make sure you are on a stage, front and center in front of those people. If you're not, you're not viable. And your base will go away. But so your, your first goal is to build a base that shows you are a viable candidate. To do that, you have to build a viable base. That answer your question? Mm-hmm. Okay. You guys have any thoughts on that? You want to move on? Let's keep rolling. Yep. You're comprehensive today. I'm getting poli-sci questions, you know, and I haven't, I haven't gotten to wonk out in a while. So thank you uh, for, for giving me the chance. Um, Jarrett Bell asks, I'm a lifelong Christian that at one point in my college career became very skeptical of God and Christianity, almost to the point that I considered myself an atheist and believed that it was the Christian world that was holding us back from progressing as a nation. One argument I bought into was that Christianity as a, was used as a way of controlling people and manipulating them. What is the rebuttal to this argument? Uh, I would rebut it by asking the person who claims this, tell me how the system you prefer does not do those things. I'll wait. Exactly. See, again, I want to make sure, I, I've driven this point home for years. Peter says to always have a ready defense for the hope that you have. He does not say to always be on the defensive. I can defend my belief system. What I want to know is, can you defend yours? I mean, if you have an objection to Christianity, show me that the system that you believe in is superior to mine then. How does your system not manipulate people? Well, we're progressives, and so we want to let you know people self-actualize. You're right. That's why you guys took over all the schools, uh, all the colleges, all the op-ed sections, the entire media, you know, places where thought are formed. You guys took all those things over because you didn't want to manipulate anybody. All the, all Got the, it. All Got the bakers, it. all yes. the florists. Right. All the black firemen, uh, yeah, we could do this all day. Secondly, if, if, you're con if you're concerned about being controlled, why are you even looking at Christianity at all then? I mean, if, if you think Christianity is about learning self-control, right? That's one of the fruits of the Spirit, correct, yep. Aaron? Yep. Okay. So um, if, 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 if you think you're just fine on your own, that you can make all of your own decisions, and I mean... You're Ted freaking Williams, man. There goes Roy Hobbs, best damn decision maker that ever lived. I mean, you're perfect. You're knocking the cover off the ball. You're, you're banging the stadium lights out. You have no broken relationships. You've never, you've never cheated anybody. Nobody's ever cheated you. You've got your, I mean, you know it. You're on it, man. You know how to pick mates, pick jobs. You know where grocery store to shop at. We're just, we're, we're just, we're just around here touching the hem of your damn garment. Just, we can't get enough. You're so spot on. So, I mean, if, if, if you think you've got things totally under control yourself, why are you even looking into Christianity then? 
You should be doing me, Anity. I'm into me. I love me some me. Cool. Then you're right where you should be. Christianity is about letting go of your control because you can't do those things because you're a sinner. Yep. You're human. Uh, and, 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 and being given the power in your life to practice the self-control, to not make the destructive decisions that you made that brought you and others around you down beforehand. Okay? So I'm really big. We're entering into an area now where I think we're going to have to do a form of combative evangelism. You are, you are in an era now where you're not, Christianity is not the dominant strain in the culture. And so it's a default setting for people, and you're largely having friendly conversations from people who have heard most of the stories and have a general frame. No, you're in Ephesus now where the pagans hate you because their economy is based off of this Temple of Artemis thing. And you're jacking with their livelihoods, bro. And they're going to try to have you arrested for that, if not worse. You are a stranger in a strange land now. This is a pagan post-Christian country. Doesn't mean there's still not a large pocket of Christians. There are. But it is a post-Christian paganizing nation as we speak. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to realize you're you're dealing more with the Simon Bar Jesuses of the world. You, sir, are a friend of the devil. You're dealing more with the people of Corinth. Uh, get that dude sleeping with his mom out of there. All right, throw him out. The people that are getting back in line to get drunk off the communal wine, throw all of them out. Throw them all out. These these chicks coming down from these pagan temples with their with their fancy uh, schmancy haircuts and uh, preaching all this crap in the pulpits, they gotta go. You see what I'm saying? That's the era you're in. Understand the times and what to do about them. This is an era of clarity, not conformity. Nobody, the culture feels no pressure to conform to us. And I think that's important for us to recognize. So you have to be a little bit more confrontational and combative in your evangelism. I mean, you run it into, for example, a lot of itchy ears, right? That's why we like to talk about our friends at WaxRx. If you've got itchy ears, ear pain, that plugged up feeling, are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? If that's you, any of these problems whatsoever sound familiar? You could be like uh, all kinds of Americans that'll be forced to go to a doctor's office for a professional ear cleaning this year. But what if I told you you could do this in the comfort and convenience of your own home? You could DIY this right where you are and do it exactly the way the pros do. It's called WaxRx. It uses a physician-developed technology, which means the pros that you have to go to, they're the ones that made this, okay? A physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with that pH condition formula. And now you can use WaxRx without a prescription, saving even more of a hassle. Uh, and you get it risk-free. You can try it risk-free today as well. And they'll even throw in free shipping if you use the code RADIO when you check out on the website. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com, offer code RADIO. Your thoughts, gentlemen, on the distinction I'm drawing where in, a, in, a, in another era where this was still the dominant default setting of the culture, you might it might be a little bit more um, cordial. People are kind of coming to the conversation with a lot of the same basic premises, right? 
I think you're Paul in, in Corinth, you're Paul in Ephesus, um, you're Paul confronting the sorcerer, Simon Bar-Jesus. This is going to take an era that's going to have a more confrontational style of evangelism. And you're going to have to be willing to call the pagans on their phony baloney belief systems rather than letting them put you on trial all the time. Well, Paul and Peter, the, the very people they were evangelizing uh, first reminded them, uh, yeah, you killed this guy that uh, is your savior. I mean, right just to their faces, you're, you're murderers. Um, now bow, uh, now bend the, it, it was the best bend the knee speech, uh, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about it, the very first ever yeah. evangelistic sermon ever given St. Peter there in yeah. Acts was, ter- was literally, it could have been titled turn or burn. Yeah. That was, that's, that's, that's what, what they, that's, that was the pithy title for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not, Steve's not giving you like a, a modern tactical warfare, uh, missive that's simply kind of created out of whole cloth no he just went straight 2000 years ago and said it's as applicable now as ever there's uh, it and it's always applicable there are other times though where something remem- something resembling and this thing we're trying to get back again a cultural cruise control is kind of in effect and you can simply reset remind we're not in that time we, we're getting mocked that doesn't mean you can't be no. chummy or winsome what i mean by combative, well, you and i can't yeah combative does, could. Yes. year of no bs yeah combative doesn't mean you have to be douche-tastic yeah. it just means force them to defend hey i'm gonna push back on that a little bit if you don't mind yeah. why, why do you believe what you believe yeah make them defend themselves too that's all yeah, and I mean, the Christian faith is fundamentally about knowing your creator and being in a right relationship with him. And, and a side effect of that is casting off the bonds of uh, sin that, that plagued you. So it is less about control and manipulation and more about freedom, the freedom that we have in Christ to conquer the things that really screwed us up in the first place through the power of Christ. I mean, it says in Colossians, you who were once uh, alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is reconciled to himself by his body of flesh. How did he do, uh, or how does that happen? If it indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, it is fundamentally about knowing your creator, but a side effect of that is freedom, is true freedom. Whereas on the other side of the aisle, or the other side of uh, this conversation, where is the freedom in having to define yourself by how you like to get your jollies off at night? Where's the freedom in that? Mm-hmm. How how are you? Are you more of a person? Is there more to you? Are there more talents than you that you have rather than what what uh, you know what uh, what what takes your fancy? As far as as far as uh, you know, what pleases you? Because that's the month that we're in right now, yeah. And that's the world that we're living in. I am I'm straight. I am trans. I am demisexual. I am pansexual. No, you are more than that, and that's what the Christian faith gives you. You are more than your base nature. You are more than how you like to get your jollies off. Very well said. We're going to stick around here, tape a little overtime for our subscribers. To the rest of you, have a great weekend. John three seventeen. We'll see you again on Monday. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.